What are your favorite things to consume? Uh, like, what's your favorite food to consume? Maybe Mexican, Chinese, Indian, Italian, Japanese, or Korean. Do you like to consume technology and games? Which ones? Uh, do you like to consume shows, movies, or videos on social media? Now, none of those things are necessarily bad, though I think we would all agree that consuming too many of any of those things could be detrimental. The reality is that we have to consume certain things or else we'll die. We have to consume food, water, shelter, iPhone. We have to conserve those things or consume those things to continue to live. In the West and in many parts of the rest of the world, it goes beyond just consuming to survive. We ask a question that of all of our products that we consume, and the question is this, does this product work for me? And if the product does work for me, then I'll keep buying it or getting more of it. If it doesn't work for me, then I'll switch to something else. And this mentality can create challenges for businesses, specifically businesses that rely on things like brand loyalty. This same mentality can also become a barrier to our church, fulfilling our mission to help people take next steps to follow Jesus. And this mentality is consumerism. Consumerism is especially present in the United States, but even more so in the Bay Area and Silicon Valley specifically. And I've seen this mentality impact every church I've been a part of in Illinois and Iowa and Minnesota, and now three churches in California. As Jesus followers, our view of consumerism might be like our view of technology in that it isn't inherently bad or good. Rather, it's bad or good based on how we use it. Uh, because as humans, we have to consume to live. I don't think anyone would argue with that. Like not consuming and dying is not necessarily a better alternative. And like you, I'm a consumer of many things. Some of the products that I consume and are most helpful for me on a daily basis are down the street from Apple. I use a MacBook every day for work. I have an iPhone that I'm using right now, along with several other Apple products. If you want to debate between PC, Mac, or Android, or whatever else, I'll leave that to the people with much more expertise than I have. And yet, while I have found Apple products to be quite helpful and easy to use, I've never asked, how can I further the mission of Apple? Uh, usually I ask, does Apple still make products that work well for me? Because from our viewpoint, usually only employees or maybe executives ask the question, how can I further the mission of Apple? And customers or consumers ask the question, does Apple still make products that work well for me? Because like the rest of you consumers, once a product no longer serves our needs, we switch products. Uh, most people view their purchases just like that. Apple makes products that I use, they are not a mission I join. And that's consumerism. Now there's been a little bit of a shift happening where people are caring more about uh, how a company behaves and how their mission impacts the world beyond just the products they produce. But for the most part, our culture is so inundated with a consumerist mentality that we tend to take that same mentality and apply it to pretty much everything else. Uh, we obviously apply it to our purchases and, and then we apply it to our relationships. We, we sort of subconsciously ask questions like, is this relationship serving my needs? Uh, we apply it to church. Uh, many of us have probably used the phrase church shopping at some point or another. Uh, does church or does that church have the things that I want and that my kids can take advantage of as well? And that last question isn't necessarily even bad, but maybe just incomplete. Because many of us have probably not really even thought about that idea before, nor have someone ever suggested to us a different mentality that we should have. And so this isn't a criticism. This is a recognition that in, an, in a consumeristic culture, it is normal to look at everything, including our church participation and relationship with God through a consumerist lens. But I want to give us another way to think about those things that hopefully will be helpful, but also healthier. 
More on that in a moment. We're in a season called Lent that prepares us for the death and the resurrection of Jesus on Easter, which this year is April 17th. And we're looking at lessons we can learn about Jesus in this time leading up to his death on the cross, his ultimate sacrifice for the world. And in week one, we read a unique story that pointed us to the lesson that Jesus is a better king than we are. To answer the question, will we lean into and acknowledge Jesus as an authority in our lives? And then in week two, we looked at a prayer that Jesus prayed for his followers that we would be united and one. Uh, basically, we can think differently and love unconditionally. And then last Sunday, we looked at a foundational theological point about Jesus, that he was both fully God and fully human. Now, we looked at many of the ways that Jesus shared our humanity with us. That like all humans, Jesus was born. He grew up and developed. He had limitations. He became hungry, tired, and thirsty. He felt emotions. And eventually, he died. And Jesus shared our humanity for us. We need to share our humanity for others. Like, who needs to see more of your humanity in this season? Do you have an opportunity maybe to be a bridge with another human? If you want to watch any of the messages from this series, head over to our YouTube channel. So as we think about consumerism, the mentality that goes along with it, uh, and how that impacts the churches in the U.S. in this consumerist mentality, we don't ask questions like, well, how can I further the mission of this company? Rather, we ask the question, does this company still make products that work well for me? Because like the rest of you consumers, this company makes products that I use. They are not a mission that I join. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing for the things that we consume. However, when we take that same consumerist mentality and apply it to pretty much everything else, we discover several problems along the way. Namely, how we see people and connect with God. Uh, number one, we see the problem of we begin to view relationships as products. Relationships become an avenue to some other goal rather than the goal itself. Uh, number two, we begin to objectify people. Because not long after we start seeing relationships as a product to consume, it's almost natural to progress further to dehumanizing people. And this is an important side note that we won't spend much time on, but how we think about people, how we view people, how we talk about people, impacts how we treat people. If we think about people as a product we consume, we will treat people just like we treat the products we consume, with, with little respect or dignity. Now, we wouldn't say this, but we act this way because after all, they are just products that meet our needs. And then lastly, the problem that we'll spend our time looking at today with the consumer mentality, number three, we lose sight of our purpose in life. Even if you aren't a Jesus follower, almost all of us would agree that life is about so much more than what we can consume. If left to what we consume, life is very unfulfilling and depressing. And as Jesus followers, we believe that we are invited into so much more than just consuming. And yet, it can be so easy and convenient to just consume. And in many ways, the pandemic has necessitated some of that with everything moving online and on demand. And yet, there are important distinctions that can help us avoid consumerism and still reach as many people as possible. And one of the distinctions that I've tried to keep in mind to sort of stay away from consumerism is the distinction between church, you know, the movement and the gathering of Jesus followers, being sort of accessible compared to being convenient. Because accessible means providing people an opportunity to take a step if they choose to. Just like how building codes can encourage accessibility for disabled people by providing opportunities for people who need those opportunities. And just like building codes, they can sort of encourage accessibility for disabled people, the gathering of Jesus followers should be accessible for people who need that. Convenient, on the other hand, means to accommodate someone's comfort, 
like convenience stores are accommodating to our comfort of time, location, and lack of preparation. This includes prepackaged food, drinks, and a selection of items that might otherwise be out of our reach. We usually pay a cost to make something convenient, but there's also a cost to making something accessible. And that latter cost leads us to this season of Lent and to the teaching from Jesus that we're going to look at today that sort of offers us a different way to see the church and following him. Now, Jesus offers us a different mentality than consumerism, and yet he seems to use similar language. We're going to start reading in Luke chapter 14. You can follow along the Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app, head to bible.com app. Once you're in the app, head to the more menu option in the bottom right corner, select events, and you can find our church. We'll also have the notes and verses on the screen as well. Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 25. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, now, Jesus had followers for about three years before he was crucified, and there were sort of ebbs and flows in the number of people following him for various reasons. But at this point, Luke tells us that there was a large crowd. Because much of those three years, because for much of those three years, rather, following Jesus was good for those followers. Uh, there were benefits to being close to Jesus. And in fact, the 12 disciples were sort of like celebrities at this time. So even though Jesus is getting closer to being executed, the people wanted to be around him mostly to consume his teaching, his miracles, and his presence. And so Jesus thought that it was important to prepare this crowd for the future, which wasn't going to be about consuming. And like us today, we're going to have to move beyond just consuming to something better and harder. Right before this teaching, Jesus just told his large, this large crowd the parable of the great feast, that God, through Jesus, was preparing a feast where all people are invited to consume. And he was covering the cost. Uh, basically, that salvation, the opportunity for a relationship with God, is free. It's covered by God. Now, side note, nothing is ever completely free, right? Like, if you received a gift for free, that just means the giver covered the cost. Uh, if you received free food, the cook covered the cost. A free party, maybe the host covered the cost. And Jesus is highlighting how this relationship with God is free to all people, but there is a cost, and it's covered by Jesus. And now Jesus is going to sort of talk about the cost of following Jesus after that. Verse 26, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life, otherwise you cannot be my disciple. Now, some translations say you must hate everyone else, but this translation conveys a little bit more accurately what Jesus was saying. That our love for God and our desire to follow Jesus, when compared to our love for our family and ourselves, will make it seem like we hate our family and ourselves. There might, be, there might come a time, though, when Jesus' followers will have to choose between following Jesus or obeying a family member. Or maybe we will have to have the difficult discussion or a difficult and uncomfortable conversation with a family member or maybe a friend, because following Jesus would necessitate that. Uh, maybe that's discussing their faith journey or getting help with an addiction they have or maybe something else. And Jesus is saying that following him will cost us something. He takes it a little bit further, verse 27. If you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. And Jesus is using sort of extreme contrast to teach us something and sort of get our attention. Just like there might be a time when Jesus' followers have to choose between following Jesus or a loved one, we might also have to choose between following Jesus or being killed. And Jesus is saying that first priority, that our first priority cannot be our loved ones or even our own lives. And so one of the costs of following Jesus is that our first priority is following him. It's not even following our preferences. Now, now, speaking about that cross, in our modern times, we've sort of glamorized the cross. 
But in Jesus' day, it was not glamorous, shiny, or smooth. It was looked down on, bloody, and rough, to say the least. And in Jesus' day, someone carrying a cross demonstrated that a person was going to pay a cost for their decisions, whether that cost was just or unjust. And there was not a way for those people carrying a cross to avoid paying that cost. And in a similar way, there is not a way for Jesus' followers to avoid paying the cost for following him. Verse 28, but don't begin until you count the cost. And Jesus tells us this so that we will consider the cost of following him, but also consider the cost of not following him. And then Jesus gives us two illustrations. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Verse 31, or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. And all of our decisions have a cost that comes with them. Both decisions to follow Jesus or not follow Jesus, both decisions come with a cost. There's a cost to follow Jesus, just like there's a cost to not follow Jesus. Verse 33, so you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Now, this statement sort of goes back to, again, that previous parable of the great feast. That there were people invited to the feast and invited to a relationship with God who would not come because the things they owned got in the way and took a priority over God. And when he says giving up everything, in the language that this was written in, that sort of means to, to say goodbye to, to, to leave everything, to yield the right of ownership of everything. And this is a reminder that we don't really own any of the things that we have. We're just sort of managers or stewards of all of our stuff. That all of it is in our bank account, all of our relationships, everything, all of our stuff will be given to someone else after we die. And on top of that, as a manager, we will have to give an account to the owner of how we use all this stuff. Uh, following Jesus leads us to this shift in a mentality from an owner to a manager, which also points us to a bigger shift in our mentality. And to our point today, uh, Pastor Josh uh, Crane says this, discipleship moves us increasingly from consumption to contribution. And discipleship is simply the process of becoming a follower of Jesus. As we follow Jesus, our focus moves from only consuming to also contributing. And in several ways, we will remain spiritual consumers. We need time with God, time with other Jesus followers, time refocusing on God's priorities and direction through reading the scriptures. We need to consume these things to have a healthy life with God. But over time, we need to mature and develop into also contributing to other people's spiritual life with God. And following Jesus is moving from a passive consumer to being an engaged contributor. And this is likely always going to be challenging in our culture because consumerism is all around us. However, because it is countercultural, that can be one indicator that it is something worth pursuing. So what does being an engaged contributor actually mean? Well, number one, it means counting the cost. Now, don't skip this step because Jesus actually told us to do this. Counting the cost of following Jesus means understanding there will be uncomfortable sacrifices involved. There will be commitments that you need to make and stick to even when it would be much easier and more convenient not to. There will be challenges and maybe even persecution. There will be difficult people who Jesus loves that you will need to love as well. And over time, you will need to allow Jesus to be the leader in every area of your life, including your priorities, your calendar, your bank account, and more. 
There's a cost to following Jesus, just like there's a cost to not following Jesus. So we also need to count the cost of not following Jesus. The amazing experiences that we would never know about because we weren't willing to sacrifice for them. The relationships that weren't developed because we wouldn't take, or we would take rather, the easy and convenient way out of some of the important commitments that we need to make. The resilience and the perseverance that we don't have because we didn't go through the challenges. The patience that God could have grown in us through those difficult people. And most most importantly, the cost of not following Jesus might be not hearing the stories of people transformed because they didn't experience God's love through us, but rather they experienced God's love through someone else. That being an engaged contributor means knowing there is a cost and counting the cost. Uh, Being an engaged contributor also means, number two, asking different questions. Instead of just asking the question that consumers ask, does this work for me? Ask the question that contributors ask, you know, workers and owners and investors. They ask the question, how can I further the mission of this organization or for our context, the church? That asking different questions will also help change your perspective and your viewpoint. Instead of seeing Christianity as a, a product that serves your needs, instead of seeing the church as a product that they're, that is sort of there just to meet your needs, and then when it doesn't meet your needs, you just, just consider switching products. Instead of seeing Jesus as a product that benefits just you, following Jesus is a mission that you join. And then number three, looking for go sit with them moments. Now, what is a go sit with them moment, you might ask? Well, I'm glad you asked. These are the moments when you see someone in need or something is not going well, or maybe you see someone who who needs a friend and you go sit with them. Those moments might be sort of the come sit with me moments as well. But like Jesus sort of came to earth to dwell with us, if we're going to be contributors and not just consumers, we likely will need to go to the other people first. That will also likely mean that your contributions happen away from our church campus. Now, don't get me wrong, there might be opportunities for you to invite those people to a special event or to a group or to a service on our campus, but more than likely, that won't be the starting point. Being an engaged contributor means counting the cost. Being an engaged contributor means asking different questions. And being an engaged contributor means looking for go sit with them moments. Overall, the question for you and the question for the, the question that Jesus seemed to be most interested in, who are you becoming? Are you ready to acknowledge Jesus as your Savior? Are you ready to acknowledge and, and to continue to follow Jesus by inviting him to be the leader of your life? Which is a step to, to move from just being a consumer to also being a contributor. How different could our portion of Silicon Valley look if just the Jesus followers would move from being just consumers to being contributors as well. Because we have the opportunity to be a part of a gathering of people called the church that is doing something so much bigger than any single one of us. We have an opportunity to be a part of something more than we could fulfill on our own. We have an opportunity to be a part of Jesus transforming the lives of people around us. But that can only happen when we move from a consumer to a contributor. That following Jesus is moving from a passive consumer to an engaged contributor. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, it is so hard in this life and in our world right now to not just think about consuming and just think about the mentality of a consumer that what benefits me or how does this thing help me or how does this product help me? And we can turn people and relationships and basically our whole lives into thinking about those kind of things. 
So God, would you help us to see the areas of our lives that it's just sort of normal and we need to consume? But would you also see the, help us to see the parts of our lives where we need to be sort of countercultural? We need to look at things differently. We need to look at them from a different perspective. We need to ask different questions. We need to live with a different mentality of contributing first before we think about consuming or maybe on top of consuming. God, would you help us to have the wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard? Would you help us to see the areas of our life, uh, our relationship with you, our relationship with church, our, our ways that we live out our faith? Would you help us to see how we can be a contributor rather than just being a consumer? And God, would you give us the courage to actually do it? When, when the world tells us it's okay, it's not that big of a deal, it doesn't really matter, would you give us the courage to live differently? We need your help, God, to do that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.